homicide rate. Sadly, oh, it's crazy. It's not. It's all the major cities are just everybody shooting everybody. It's nuts. It is crazy. All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to steal one of these just in case we need it. Well, it's good to be here today, tonight. And uh, as far as uh, preaching the word, that's all we have to preach. If you don't have the word to preach, don't preach at all. Amen. We don't need stories. We need the scriptures. Amen. That's where the power is at. The power is in the word of God. The power is in the spirit of God. The power is not in the man of God. The man of God just got to try to keep right with God so as not to hinder the, the word of God and the spirit of God from doing the work in, in, in his heart and through his heart as well. If you have a Bible, would you turn to the book, uh, book of uh, Nehemiah, please? Book of Nehemiah. This is a revival meeting, right? We're not under the tent, but that's okay. We can have the spirit of being under the tent. Amen. Without the heat. And without the wind messing my hair up, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. I lost all my hair at all those tent meetings, amen. But uh, anyway, Nehemiah, if you would, chapter number nine. I, I wanna uh, preach a little message uh, this morning, and, or this morning, this evening. Uh, I won't be long if I'm preaching this morning, right? Anyway, I wanna try to preach a message uh, on the, the subject of revival, um, uh, Brother Wilton prayed tonight that if there was anybody who was, I guess we would say on their last leg, that God would help them. By the way, to me, that's what revival is. Revival is when God helps us when we're about ready to die, if not dead. Amen. And then he also prayed at the end of that prayer that, that we'd keep on fighting. Amen. Help those that are struggling. And by the way, that's what's good about these meetings. These meetings are good. So we get together and we hear good music. And we hear good preaching, good, the, the good preaching of the word of God, amen. Why, why? Because we need revival. Uh, we need a reviving. Now, some of us might not think we need revival, but yet we do sometimes need revival, amen. We might not be totally away from the Lord, but we're struggling. We just need some encouragement and strength and whatever else, amen. And so I wanna preach a little bit tonight uh, on revival. Nehemiah chapter number nine. Uh, Nehemiah nine is a prayer, but in the prayer, he rehearses is the history of the nation of Israel, and he. I want to just use two different verses uh, um, this evening uh, to speak about revival. Um, Nehemiah chapter 9, I want you to look with me as he's in his prayer, he's rehearsing the history of the children of Israel, beginning in verse number um, 26, he said this, he said, nevertheless, they were disobedient, and by the way, there's the history of Israel, right? They were disobedient, he says in verse 26, and they rebelled against thee, and they cast thy law behind their backs. And by the way, we find in scriptures where it's also referenced that they even cast God behind their back. Anytime you put something behind your back, it's always out of view. Because any way you turn, it's always behind your back. And there was a time the children of Israel put the word of God behind their back. They didn't care about it. In fact, that's where we're at in this nation, uh, no doubt about it. But verse number 26 goes on to say, and they slew thy prophets which testified against them. By the way, that's why people don't like preaching that's good Bible preaching because it's usually against us. And by the way, it's against me. The preacher that, by the way, I remember a young man, he wasn't young, he was older than me, he was going to Bible Institute, and he said, I'm going to preach, but if I'm not living it, I'm not going to preach. And I said to him, you're probably not going to have much to say. You don't only preach what you live. In fact, I personally believe you preach hardest when you're preaching against yourself. 
There's been times I've preached against myself because I was so fed up with some things in my life and I was getting at it and, I, and people thought I was mad at them. They had no idea how mad I was at me. Amen? By the way, a real man of God will go against himself. And by the way, if you are a preacher, uh, beware of the you, 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 you. It's we, it's us. We're all in the same boat, amen? Ain't nobody better than anybody else. But anyway, verse number 26, and, and it says they, these prophets preached against them and they wind up, uh, what, killing them and, and then they wrought great provocation. Verse number 27, uh, therefore thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them and in the time of their trouble when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. Thank God, amen. Uh, God, you know, we, we sometimes get away from God, but when he wakes us up and, and, we, and we come back to him, thank God he forgives us, amen? He goes on to say in verse 27, they cried unto thee and thou heardest them from heaven according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors, and I believe that would be the judges during the time of the judges, who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they, after they had arrest, they did evil again. Boy, isn't that like us, amen? We get, we get God to deliver us from whatever that situation is. Once he delivers us, we start to feel full of it again, amen? And then we go down again, verse number 28. But after they had arrest, they did evil again before thee, therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet, when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies, and testified against them, there it is again, and testified against them, that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law, yet they dealt proudly, and hearken not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments, which a man do, he shall live in them, and withdrew the shoulder, and hardened their necks, and would not hear. In a few verses right here, just a little glimpse of the history of the children of Israel, but what I want to pull out from this, if I can this evening, is this. Uh, this these, uh, there's two verses in this little section that really, really emphasize revival. There's two things, two questions that I would like to ask tonight, and I'm not looking for answers. Uh, I want to hopefully give the answers from the scriptures, amen? Uh, two questions we want to ask and we want to answer, and the first question is this, and I'm going to look at it in a moment in this text, but what is revival? What is revival? Now, in reality, revival is restoration. That's what revival is. Revival is restoration, no doubt about it, period. But let me just use it this way. What is revival? And I'll give it to you this way. Revival is found in verse number 26, and I want you to look again in verse number 26. Nevertheless, they were disobedient, and by the way, the disobedient need revival. Amen. Watch this now. And rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets which testified unto them to what? What's the next statement? To what? To turn them to, to thee. See, that's what revival is. Number one, revival is turning back to God. You see, the children of Israel got away from God. They disrespected the word of God. And what did God do? I'll tell you what he did. He did something that some of us might not do. See, I sometimes get to the point where, you know what? If you're going to do that and you're going to go that way, that's your business. But if it's somebody I love and somebody I care for, it's no longer not your business. No go that way. Please turn around. You understand what I'm saying here? See, God loves rebels even more than I do. See, God sees the rebel going from him and, and God says, I need a prophet to go and I want you to preach against them. Preach against. By the way, you're not gonna find a lot of preaching against if you're watching Joel Osteen. You're not gonna find preaching against. Preaching against doesn't fill stadiums. 
Amen? It doesn't. And we're in the last days. We're in the days where Paul has told Timothy, preach the word. By the way, he said this, preach the word. They're not going to listen to you, though. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to be uh, hear people that will tell them what they want to hear. But here's what I want you to do. Don't change your method. Just simply preach the word. Why? Preach it to people that need it. Amen? Whether they heed it or not, they need it. Amen? And that's exactly. And so these prophets were sent by God to the rebels to do what? To turn them back to God. That's what revival is. Revival is where the word of God is preached by the man of God, energized by the spirit of God to get a hold of our hearts and to pull our hearts back to God. Amen. I listened a little bit on the, on the, the, the internet and brother was preaching about Revelation 2. How the church was active and busy and they were serving and they were doing everything right and it didn't look like they needed their hearts turned back to God. They were in church. They were in ministry. They were served. Didn't look like they needed their heart turned back to God and yet God said, nevertheless, I have something against you. You're doing this. You're doing that. You look great. Everybody probably thinks you're all that but your heart is away from God. Right. Amen? You might not have to get back to church, but you got to get back to God. In fact, that's the key. We find in the Old Testament on many times the prophets would say, you turn back, but you didn't turn back to God. Amen? Amen. There got people coming back to church, but not to God. Amen? And so revival is where the word of God is trying to get a hold of the heart of each and every one of God's people to come back to him in a hearty way. Maybe you read your Bible, but heartlessly. Maybe you pray, but heartlessly. Maybe you serve, but heartlessly. God wants to do a work on the inside. Paul the apostle prayed for the Thessalonians. He said, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. It starts on the inside, works its way on the outside. Religion starts on the outside and works its way, never reaches the inside. You and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is an inward thing, amen? See, you can honor him with your lips and you can draw night into him with your tongue, but your heart can be far from God, amen? And so revival is the word of God that's quick and powerful, reaches into the heart, harnesses the heart, and brings it back to God, amen? This is a part of revival. But here's another thought. What is revival? Uh, the first part of the answer, God's people getting back to God. But also look at verse number 29 in the same chapter. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 29. Here's the second part of what is revival. Verse number 29 says this, and testified against them. So we have again the prophets, what? Testifying against the people of God. And testified against them that thou mightest bring them again unto what? Thy law, the word of God. Revival is getting back to God and getting back to the Word of God. Not just getting back to reading it, not just getting back to studying it, but being a doer of the Word and not a hearer only as we heard in the prayer tonight. Many of God's people need revival, though don't even look like they need revival. We don't know where each other's hearts are at tonight. This preacher right here in my heart could be ready to leave the Lord. There's been preachers all over. Get up and preach dynamic messages and before you know it, they're gone. 
There goes I, but by the grace of God. God only knows where your heart is and this book right here is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This book will open our eyes that we may see and understand. Consider the path of your feet. Ponder the path. Where are you really on the inside? Listen, people are gone before they're gone. I heard one preacher say, we don't usually have blowouts. We usually have slow leaks. You understand what I'm saying? Well, what happened to that guy? They just up and went. No, 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 no. There's been something going on in the inside for a long time. Let me tell you what. There's an invisible war going on. You got heaven and you got hell. You got God and you got the devil. And both of them are trying to get a hold of our hearts, our minds, and our lives. One's trying to draw us away. One's trying to draw us closer. You and I were stuck in the middle and that's our battle. Amen. The best thing we can do is be totally honest with the Lord. You don't have to tell everybody else. Thou desirest truth in the inward part. Dear God, you know where I am. You know what I am. You know what I want. And I'm not going to tell anybody else because they don't need to know this. God help me. The world's philosophy is honesty is the best policy. With God, honesty is the only policy. Amen. See, what is revival? What is revival? Revival is getting back to God and getting back to God's word in an internal, personal way, amen? Revival is a matter of living right. Psalm 119, 88, Psalmist said, quicken me, that's the essence of revival. Quicken me, so shall I keep the testimonies of thy mouth. Revival is about getting back to living right. Revival is about getting back to praying right. In Psalm 80, verse number 18, the psalmist said, Quicken us, that's the essence of revival, and we will call upon thy name. And perhaps during that day, they were calling upon other gods. And the psalmist said, Lord, quicken us, Lord, revive us, and we'll get back to calling on you. Amen. In fact, we get revival, we'll get back to praying, right? We'll also get back to praying for the right reason. Not that we may consume it upon our own lust, but actually we might even wind up praying for the glory of God. Amen. See, revival's about getting, getting, living right. Revival's about uh, praying right. And then here's another thought. Revival's about feeling right. Let me just say this. I think that's what most people want revival for. More than anything. I just want to feel like I used to feel. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good, no doubt about it. David said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Nothing wrong with wanting to feel the peace of God and have the joy of the Lord. Nothing wrong with all of that. But may we first and foremost be more concerned with God than ourselves. Amen. Feeling right. Psalm 85, 6. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? I believe, I believe rejoicing is the end of revival. It's the result of revival. Once we get back to living right, once we get back, back to praying right, we will get back to feeling right. Amen. Amen. In fact, in Philippians chapter number four, we often hear people counsel people, whatever their problem is, look, you know, just make your request known unto God and, and, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then they forget about verse number eight that says think about the right things. They forget about verse number nine. The things that you've heard and seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. It's not just praying. If that's all we did, we'd never do right. Never feel right. We got to pray right. We got to live right. We got to do right. And, and then we will feel right. Amen. When God bringeth back, Psalm 53, 6, when God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. When we get revived and we get our hearts back right with God, there will be joy that comes from that. Yes. Amen. 
In fact, in Psalm 126, when the, the, one of the national verses in reference to the nation of Israel being delivered out of the Babylonian captivity, it says this in Psalm 126, verses 1 to 3, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, he brought them back, if you will. It said, uh, then we're, I'm sorry, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. It was unbelievable. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. They said, then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. And then they said, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. When God reaches, reached down and, and delivered the nation of Israel out of Babylonian captivity, they were rejoicing and they were excited and the heathen recognized with what God had done for them. Right. I'll tell you, we get revival, we might actually get the attention of others. They might see what God's doing. Amen? I believe, by the way, I'll throw this in there. It's just for free. Psalms chapter number 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, a lot of people use that as a salvation testimony, and that's fine if you want to apply it to that. David was already a believer. He was in some kind of situation that he cried out to God to deliver him from that stinking mess. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and, and, and he inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. He set my feet on the solid rock and he took me out of that miry clay. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise on our God. Many shall see it and shall fear and trust in the Lord. David said, I was in a slump. I was down in a hill in a pit. I, it was just miserable and wrecked. And I cried out to God and he rescued me. That's revival. He reset me on the rock, put a song in my... I couldn't sing in that circumstance. I couldn't sing in that sense. Only he can give you a song in the night. Only he. It don't make no sense for you and I to sing in certain situations. Amen? We get revival. People would wonder... How can you act that way when this is going on and that's going on and the other thing's going on? I can't explain it to you. It's a supernatural thing. It's a God thing, amen? See, what is revival? Revival is getting back to God. It's getting back to God's word from the heart. Let me give you the second question with answers. How do we get revival? How do we get revival? Pardon me for a moment. We're drying up a little too soon. And if you want me to dry up too soon, God have mercy on you. Amen. How do we get revival? It's a good question, isn't it? Revival is something we need to be praying for. What are you praying for? It? Now, let me just say this. Some of us don't need total revival. Some of us might, might need some reviving in some areas of our life. Amen. Some of us just might need some reviving in some areas of our life. How do you get it? Pray for it. Pray for it. In fact, here's an example. Psalm 80, verses 3, verses 7, verses 19. They said, turn us again, O God. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Here's some, some, some prayers in Psalm 119 where he prayed in verse 25. He said, quicken thou me. 107, he said, quicken me, O Lord. And 149, quicken me, O Lord. Quicken me, quicken me. That's the essence of revive me. Over and over again, we hear these prayers. In Psalm 143, the psalmist prayed in verse number 11. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. Amen? We need to be praying for revival. By the way, if you ever want to read and study a personal prayer of revival, you can read Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a prayer for personal revival. It's a prayer, by the way, isn't God merciful to us? David sinned the way he sinned. You know, sometimes we don't explain the sins of David the way they need to be. He didn't just kill Uriah. When they sent him up to the forefront of the battle, there were other men that got killed in that battle too. 
All because of that act. David did what he did and he hid it. You read Psalms 32 and you read about his testimony of what it was like living in unconfessed sin. He said, God's hand was heavy on me. My life was dried up. It was wretched, if you will. But in Psalm 51, he, he's praying for revival. He's praying for restoration. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. That's revival. Restore unto me the joy. That's revival. What are prayers of revival? What do they sound like? I'll tell you what they sound like. They sound like repentance. They sound like somebody confessing their sin to the Lord. They sound like somebody like David saying, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I was shaped in iniquity. I know I'm a sinner and I've done this because I'm a sinner. Acknowledge what you are. Confess what you are and what you need. He's confessing to be clean. Oh, have mercy on me. Make me clean. Make me whiter than snow. And thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that it makes us whiter than snow. Amen. When we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to always forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. These are prayers of revival. What does prayers of revival have in them? They got confession. They got contrition. He says, for thou delightest not in sacrifice. Else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. See, revival needs to happen where it has been lost, and that's in the heart. If the heart of a believer will repent and, and will be contrite before God, God will revive that individual. We cannot in pride and stubbornness expect God to revive us. He chastens rebels. He don't revive them. Amen. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. David said in Psalm 38, 18, for I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Isaiah 57, 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones. Joel said to the children of Israel, he said, rend your heart, not your garment. It's easy to get into the outward thing. I'm not against altar calls, but I just wonder how many do them just because the preacher's watching. By the way, nobody else is supposed to be watching. Is that correct? So who are you humbling yourself in front of? I'm sorry. I don't want to bring too much sense here. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you. Let me tell you where the greatest altar needs to be. It needs to be your heart. It needs to be your heart. Because that's the one that God sees and God alone sees. You can fake a humility. You can fake God be merciful unto me. But you can't fake a heart that is sincerely saying to God, I'm wrong, forgive me, help me. Help me, amen. What is revival? It's getting back to God. It's getting back to God's word. How do we get it? We pray for it, number one. We need to be praying for it. Then number two, let me just say this. We need to be listening for it. We need to be listening for, why, why, why should we listen for revival? Psalm 119.50, thy word hath quickened me. What is God going to use to revive your heart? This book right here. I love the scriptures where it says God spoke mouth to mouth with Moses. 
Hey, when you're trying to revive somebody, you need mouth to mouth, face to face, personal, cardiopulmonary. We need something that deals with the heart but also has some breath in it. We need the word of God and the spirit of God to revive our hearts. Amen? Listen for revival. Psalm 119, 93, the psalmist said, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. How many times have you crawled into church and God, through the Holy Spirit, spake a word from his book and, and, and touched your heart and just, and just refreshed you and revived you and renewed you. Amen? That's what it's about. We need to listen for revival. By the way, in our very text in Nehemiah 9, what did he send in order to try to turn them people back to God? He sent the prophets with the word of God. That's what he does. Amen? That's what he does. I want you to, by the way, turn for a moment, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 23 for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 23. Please, Jeremiah chapter 23. God uses his word to revive us. Truth and truths from his precious word do something for our hearts. Amen. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May soul be rekindled with fire from above. What do you know that can set the heart of fire? Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let your voice be heard. Did not our hearts burn within us when he opened to us the scriptures? Amen. When, when we, by the way, my word is like a fire. Amen. Oh, there are times our cold hearts need to be lit up. And there's times our hard hearts need to be broken up. This book's a hammer. God uses this word. Amen. Jeremiah, I want you to look at verse number 22. Listen, in Jeremiah chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 22, Jeremiah, nope, 23, I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 22, Jeremiah 23, 22. Listen, in, in this chapter, Jeremiah is speaking against the false prophets. And he says something about the false prophets that really makes a lot of sense that you'll understand. And I want you to see something, verse 23. Here's what Jeremiah said about the false prophets. He said in verse 23, uh, let me see, I'm in the wrong, am I in the wrong one here? 22, 23, uh, boy, here we go. I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse number 23. Uh, hold on a minute. 23, 22 is what I have written down and I, I don't look normal. Oh, yep, there it is. Oh, good, 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 we have it. It is still in the book, thank God. I thought somebody was messing with me. <laughs> Look at verse 22. Here's what, here's what Jeremiah said. God said through Jeremiah about the false prophets. If they had stood in my counsel. He's saying, look, these false prophets, if they were really from me, watch this. They would have stood in my counsel. What does that mean? They would have stood in my word. By the way, that's what preachers need to preach on. Stand in the word. Stand in the word. Watch this. But if they had stood in my word and caused my people to hear my words. If these false prophets were really from me, if they would have stood in my word and caused my people to hear my word, what would have happened? Then they should have what? Turned them. What is revival? It's turning people. It's turning people. If these, these false prophets are telling you everything's okay, don't worry about it. Come as you are, leave as you were. That's them. If they were really my preachers, they would not be afraid to tell my people my word because then God can work on their hearts to turn them. 
John the Baptist in Luke 1, 15 to 17 came in the spirit and power of Elijah. To do what? To turn the hearts. You see, what did Elijah do? Elijah preached to the people and turned their hearts back to God. What is John the Baptist and what is Elijah noted for? They're noted for being men of prayer, but also men of preaching. You see, these men were men who could move heaven through their prayers and move hearts through their preaching. Amen? That's exactly what you got people that can put on a show. And they can do all this, that, and the other thing and say everything wonderful and right and right and never move heaven. If, by the way, where's revival come from? It comes from heaven. That's why we pray for it. Amen? May you and I, by the way, the spirit and power of Elijah is the spirit and power of revival. They were revivalists. They were turning hearts back to God. Amen? May God help us. Amen? May God help us. Ezekiel, don't turn there, 37, 1 to 14. There's a valley of dry bones, very dry. It means that they're pretty hopeless. The nation of Israel said we're hopeless. There's no hope for our nation. God told Ezekiel, preach to those bones and call for the breath on those bones. And through the preaching of the word of God and the breath of God, those bones lived again. You say, what is that all about? That's all about a revival of a nation. God will revive the nation of Israel one day, no doubt about it. You say, what's that got to do with me? Well, here's what it got to do with me. I'll just share it with you. If he can revive a nation, he can revive a congregation. He can revive me. The word of God and the breath of God can bring new life into the heart of the believer, amen? And that's what we need, that's what we want. Revival something we need to be praying for. Revival something we need to be listening for. But let me just say this too. Revival something we need to be living for. Living for. You say, how do you live for revival? Second Chronicles 7, 14. That my people which are called my name shall humble themselves. Now I understand in the context talking about the nation of Israel, but by way of application, you humble yourself, God will lift you up. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Amen. That's living for revival. Jeremiah 3.22, God said, return ye backsliding children, I will heal your backslidings. Hosea 6.1, come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Repenting and returning are the key to reviving. Repenting and returning are the key to reviving. You say, where do you get that from? I get it from the scriptures. I get it from the example of the prodigal son who got away from the father, who got chastened in my opinion, who went downhill after he got away from the father. But when he was eaten or nearly eaten the slop, he said to himself, look at me. Look at my situation. Look at my circumstance. And then he remembered from whence he had fallen. He said, man, back in my father's house. Even the servants are eating better than me. You know what? This will I do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell my father, Father, first and foremost, I've sinned against heaven. 
first and foremost, I've sinned against it, and then I've sinned against thee. Lord, uh, Father, don't even have to make me a son, just make me a servant. You see, what happened was he recognized, you see, he came to his senses. <laughs> he came to his senses. You know, God's dealing with me. I got away from the Father. God's dealing with me. But I'm going to go back. Here's what he said in his situation. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back. I will. I will. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Amen. Things that are higher things than over. These have a Lord my side. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back and I'm going. And that's all the commit. He's making all these decisions and he's making all these commitments while he's here. And by the way, I've seen a lot of people make them while they were there. And they didn't go through. And guess where they're at? They're still there. See, you're repenting here. You're saying, woe is me. You're saying, I'm going to do this. You're saying, no, 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 no. Nothing happening. No revival, not yet. No restoration, not yet. Not until you say, okay, I'm going back. Amen. Now I'm going back to the Father. Now I'm confessing. Now I'm getting right. Now we got to restore the robe. Restore the shoes. Restore the ring. That's revival. That's restoration. Kill the fatted calf. Amen? Last of all, I usually get an amen on that. <laughs> Preachers, you know what I'm saying. You get an amen when somebody's last of all. Unless they don't believe you anymore. <laughs> we need to be praying for revival. We need to be listening for revival. We need to be living for revival. And then we need to be fighting for revival. So what do you mean by that, brother? Well, James, I'll give you the text, James 4, 4 to 10. James, God through James is calling the believers out of the world. Adulterers, spiritually speaking, come back. Come back. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. But by the way, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Don't bring that stuff back with you now. Don't try to go to his presence. You might hear that. Don't come hither. Take off your shoes. Place your stand as holy ground. Don't bring it back. See, in the text, watch this. He's calling them back. And he says, come on back. You draw nigh to God. God's on Here's what he said in verse number seven. Watch this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now you're on your way to revival. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm coming back. I'm getting out of it. I'm coming back. I'm going to submit to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And here's the second part of the verse. Anybody know it? Why do I have to resist the devil if I'm coming back from the world back to God? Yeah. Yeah, because you left the father and you went out here to his playground. And you were having fun and it seemed like fun. And then all of a sudden, man, it started costing you more than you realize. Then it started taking its toll on you more than you realize. You say, you know what? This ain't fun no more. See, starting to smoke weed's fun. But when you're addicted, it's no longer fun. Starting to drink alcohol is fun. But when you're addicted, it's no more fun. Taking heroin just for one shot is fun. But when you're chasing a ghost the rest of your life, it's no fun. You understand what I'm saying? You get all into this. And when you say, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm not staying. Devil said, I can't let you go that easy. You're going to have to fight. Resist the devil. Fight. He's not letting you get up and go on that easy. Amen? It takes a fight. When the children of Israel were, went back from Babylon to restore and renew and rebuild the tabernacle, or the temple actually. Zechariah, Zechariah 3.1. 
And he showed me, Zechariah saw in a vision, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Zechariah uh, pictures the nation of Israel trying to go back to rebuild the temple for God. And what does Satan do? See, that's revival, by the way. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. God allowed them to go back and to rebuild. But what happened? The devil's going to try to resist that rebuilding. No doubt about it. Amen. You don't believe me. You can read Ezra 4, 1 to 5. Once they heard, the people from the area heard they were trying to rebuild the, the, temp, the, 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 the temple. They, it says that they hired counselors to frustrate their purpose. Got to stop them. Nehemiah chapter number 4 verses 1 to 3. Sanballat, Tobiah. They heard about the walls being rebuilt and they went up and they started mocking and are you going to rebuild out of this and all this other stuff. And what does Nehemiah do? He prays to God. But in verse number 13 he says, look, fight. Fight. He said to the nobles, to the leadership and to the people, fight. Fight for yourselves. Fight for your wives. Fight for your children. Amen. Revival. We'll take a battle because the devil ain't going to let you go that easy. Amen. What is revival? It's getting back to God. It's getting back to God's word. What we need to do, we need to be praying for it. Sincerely, we've been listening for it. Pray God speak to our hearts this week. Amen. That his word might do some reviving in our hearts. Amen. And then let's live for it. And by the way, I think being here tonight is part of living for it. I'm going to church. I'm going to put myself within the reach of God's wonderful hand. Amen. That he might revive me. Amen. And then I'll say this. The devil's not going to make it easy. He is not going to make it easy, man. He is fighting and he will continue to fight against revival. He doesn't want... You know, you, you, we don't... We don't realize our value. And, and by the way, we've got to be careful. I understand that. You can't think yourself to be more than you ought to. But you also got to be careful. You don't think yourself less than you ought to. One of my problems. One of my problems. Because here's the thing. If I'm really a nobody and I don't really make a difference, the devil ain't bothering me. The devil don't want to bother me. That's a lie. You and I can make a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of the lost. Amen. And we can make an internal difference in the lives of other of God's people. Amen. And may God help us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word tonight. I do pray you'll bless the remainder of the services, Lord, the singing and, and, and brother Jeff Code as he comes to preach as well. We pray your word by your spirit to do a work in our hearts. Lord, revive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.